I've had so many thoughts on this. It's hard for me to refine them into one lesson. I know Nathan understands what that's like when you get started with something and you realize one lesson should have been four or five. But when we read this passage, we note the importance. But I don't think we understand the implications. I don't think we apply it to the fullness we should, myself included. And I think part of that is we have a misconception of the subject matter, a misconception about love. A lot of people in this world think of you know, romantic love as being the pinnacle, the ultimate, you know, a wonderful, healthy, happy marriage. That's the best love you'll ever know. And don't get me wrong, whenever you have a good, healthy, happy marriage, it's a good thing. When your wife's happy, you're happy. But I don't think when we read that passage, we apply a different passage, a different level of understanding. 1 Corinthians 13, a passage you're very familiar with as well, I'm sure, says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's the kind of love we're talking about. That's the kind of love Jesus was talking about in this passage. That's the kind of love not only he's talking about, it's the kind of love, honestly, he's showing in this response. A little bit of the background, a little bit of the setup is Jewish leaders, the rabbis, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all had one major agreement about what was the greatest commandment. They held all the commandments were equal. It was an unwritten rule. Now, they could debate and did debate heavily what was the greatest. But this expert in the law is setting up a trap. That's why this is a trick question. That's what he's hoping to get Jesus on, is to say publicly which commandment is greatest because everybody, every good Hebrew knows all the commandments are equal. All the commandments are just as important as the others. But Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind with all your being, with all that's within you, with all that you have, love the Lord your God. He goes on to say, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus is giving a not-so-gentle rebuke as well as informing what the second greatest commandment is. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. If you loved your neighbor, you wouldn't be asking me this question. You wouldn't be setting a trap. But the truth is, this is a critical lesson for everyone to learn. If we hold that love is the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. If that's always foremost, we start to live a little differently. Now, love is the greatest command because God is love. Scripture tells us this, that 1 John 4 and verse 8, God is love. He's proved it over and over and over. From the fall in which he could have gotten rid of humanity right away, we messed up, we sinned. He didn't. Before he sent Adam and Eve out of the garden, God clothed them. He still loved them. When God saw all the evil and decided to flood the world, to flood the earth, he didn't destroy everyone. God still loved us. He saved Noah. Over and over, God's people turned away from Him. Moses goes up to receive the Ten Commandments and comes back down. And His people have built an idol. God's people over and over turned away. How many of us as Christians over and over have sinned, have turned away? God still loves us. Out of love, God created us. God wants to know you. God wants you to know Him. And when I say God wants to know you, He knows you. He knits you together. He knows you in ways that you don't even know yourself. But there's something special about when, whether it's through prayer, whether it's just talking to God while you're driving in your car, or when you're alone and you tell Him something, there's something special about that because just like when you confide in another person and give that trust, give that love, you're doing the same thing when you talk to God. God wants that. He created you for that. Out of love, God sustains us. He gives us what we need. He provides for us. And out of love, the ultimate sustaining, the ultimate providing, out of love, God gave His Son. You can think of passages like John 1 and 14. The Word became flesh. I like the way the message puts it, and entered the neighborhood. You can think about John 3.16. This time I'm going to have you say it. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. I meant the first part, but that's okay. Bonus points for everybody that recited the entirety of it. That God loves us so much 
he held back nothing. I don't know what it's like to have a child. I can imagine, but I don't know. It gets me even now, thinking about what that must have been like to put his son on a cross. To have his son do that and not save his life. To not stop what was happening. It's something I can't even begin to comprehend that kind of love. I think that's hard for all of us. But we're going to try. So I have to ask, what is the response to this love? What should our response be? What should our response be to this love? Love. Love responds to love. That's the only response. It's the only adequate response. To give the love God has given us, to give that back. And we can only love Him back because He first loved us. We only know what love is, what this perfect, wonderful love This love that's not self-seeking. This love that doesn't go, I wonder what I'm going to get out of this. This love that says, I'll love you, but you better do the dishes first. It's not that kind of love. It's a love that has no depth. It has no bottom. A love that's transcendent. But you see... Loving God's the easy part. When you know God, when you have a relationship with Him, all we can do is love Him back. response. Love Him back. When you felt that love from God, when you know Him, it's the easiest thing in the world to love Him back. It's that little second part Jesus added that's the hard part. Loving our neighbors is hard. It's difficult. So we got to address who is your neighbor. Because the funny thing is about neighbors, you can't choose them. Sure, you can choose a neighborhood, a community to live in. You can choose who your employer is going to be. You don't get to pick who works next door to you. You don't get to pick who you meet on the street, who you stand behind in line at the grocery store. Unless you're like me and Evelyn who run into each other at Giant Eagle periodically. You don't get to pick who your neighbor is. Because you see, it's easy to love your family. It's not easy to love strangers. Because family, your family, they're your neighbors. Even the weird uncle or weird family member you wish you could prune from the family tree, they're still your family and they are still your neighbor. Strangers are still your neighbor. They're still people you meet. Your church family... It's easy to love your church family. It's not always easy to love people of different beliefs, especially if they don't love you. 
it's not a qualifier to love your neighbor that your neighbor has to love you first. It doesn't work the same way as our relationship with God. It's hard. It's difficult to love people who don't love you back, who didn't love you first, and who, quite frankly, don't want to love you. That pick on you, that persecute you. That's not easy. It's very difficult when someone wants to beat you up and steal your lunch money to hand them your lunch money and ask them how things are going at home. (laughs) It's true. It's hard. That's difficult. Because I don't mean it bad. If they're stealing your lunch money, they're probably hungry. It's easy to love those on your side. Those who are there with you in the trenches. Those who support you on a day-to-day basis. They could be co-workers. They could also fall in as family, friends, church family. It's easy to love those people. It's not easy to love enemies. Some of the people up there. It's not easy to think about loving someone that did something as horrible as Hitler. Or Bin Laden. Or Manson. (coughs) Dr. Evil, it's a little easier. Because he's not a real character. But I put him up there just so I could say, you know, you can hate the evil, but you've got to love the doctor. That you've got to be able to love people and see them the way God does. As part of his creation. That makes it a lot easier to love your neighbor. Because I asked, who is your neighbor? Everyone. Period. Everyone is your neighbor. Everyone you meet from the person you stand behind in line and you go, man, I know they just came from mucking out horse stalls. I don't really want to talk to them. Or whether it's your best friend, everyone is your neighbor. And we come back to the passage because I don't want us to miss the end. That last verse. Because Jesus says, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. They hang on them. That's the same word used as in hanging like a door hinge. The Greek is krama nemi. I hope I say that right because I was always better at Hebrew than I was at Greek. But it literally means to hang on. That all the law, all of it, all the prophets, they all hang on these two commandments. When you look at the Ten Commandments, for example, no other gods before me. Why? Because you love God. No idols Because you love God. You don't misuse the Lord's name. Because you love God. You keep the Sabbath because you love God. Are we noticing a pattern? Honor your father and mother because you love God and because you love them. You don't kill because you love God and because you love your neighbor. You don't commit adultery because you love God and because you love your neighbor. 
You don't steal because you love God and because you love your neighbor. You don't lie against your neighbor or bear false witness, depending on which version. Because you love God and because you love your neighbor. You don't covet anything of your neighbor's wife, house, possessions, property. You you don't do those things because you love God and because you love your neighbor. Everything all of these prophets had to say, every bit of it, has one common thread throughout all of it. No matter if that message was to God's people, if it was to a king, foreign or Israel's, all of those, God kept sending prophets, not because he got a good response, but because he loves us. God kept on and kept on and kept on. Everything these prophets had to say hangs on love. And the gospel, the good news, hangs on love. Literally and figuratively, Jesus hung on a cross out of love. God allowed him, Father allowed his son to hang on the cross because of love. All the gospel is dependent. It hangs on. If you're going to walk through and walk, as the early Christians called it, the way, in the beginning, you're going to pass through a door that hinges on these two commands. Love God and love your neighbor. And that leaves us with a really big question. What if the world could just love? What if everyone could love everyone else? Not love the sin, not love the shortcomings, the disappointments, but love them for who they are. There would be no more strangers. No more enemies, no more bullies. To quote Abraham Lincoln, I have no enemies because they're all my friends. If you love like that, there will be no more hate. No more poor. No more division. And eventually, there would be no more sin. You see, we all bear a part. We all are responsible for loving God and loving our neighbor. How you show love to each and every person here from the time you've arrived to the time you leave, from the day you are born to the day you die. We're responsible for that, for the love we show and the love we don't. So I ask you, what's better? 
to love or to not. Our God has showed us the way. Our God is love. Our God has given us every opportunity, every chance to understand how to change, how to be different. He never promised it would be easy, but it is simple. You want to change and give yourself to God. You want to be a part of His kingdom, a part of His church, to be baptized, to be forgiven for your sins. It starts with love. If you need to make that decision for the first time today, we're here for you. If you need a change, if you've been giving less than love to those you meet, whether they're family, friends, whether they're strangers, whether they're enemies, if you need a change, we're here for you. If you need support and care, if you need prayers and understanding, we're here. So we get ready to stand and sing.